each other in the name of the Lord this morning, and it is a blessing to be here, and it seems like it's been a while since we've been to McDowell, and it has been a while. I don't know how long you've had this building here, but uh, this is the first opportunity I've had to, to preach in the pulpit in the church here, and uh, as I was sitting here thinking about that, there was a situation that came into my mind as I think of the church building. And that is hearing someone years ago in another church, and, uh, and I'll give the accounts a little bit because some people may 
may have been there, and some people may know who I'm talking about. But my wife and I was at a program in another church, and the Mountain Anthems was given a program. And most number here would remember Brother Mena Beachy, the leader of the Mountain Anthems. <clears throat> but in that church, and as I look at the church here this morning, I'm not picking at your church here this morning. You have a beautiful church here. You have a very nice church, a very common church. But in that church, it was a very nice church, and it was a very elaborate church, if I can say it that way. But before Brother Mena started, he looked around at the church, and I'd done that this morning sitting here. <clears throat> and a comment that he's made that I've never forgot. And that is, he said, you all have a beautiful church. You've got a magnificent church here. And he said, and I hope the spirit of you here is just as great as this church. In other words, his thoughts were, it's not the building that should be the drawing factor. It should be the people. And that's what I am blessed with here this morning. The, the atmosphere of the brotherhood that is here this morning. And that we can join in in that brotherhood. And so we're glad to be here this morning. Brother Claire called and wondered what my thoughts was coming across the mountain. My, my first thoughts were, if it's doing anything between here and there, we're not coming. Because I don't travel in snow. <laughs> Even though I was raised in West Virginia, I have got away from it. But it, it was a good travel. And Brother Claire said he'd be praying, and I know the rest of you all were too. And we had a good, tra a good travel. So it is a, a blessing to be here. It's been a blessing to sit in the Sunday school class this morning. Uh, one thing I enjoy about coming to McDowell, a lot of times you don't even read your Sunday school lesson. <laughs> but the discussions... The discussions are meaningful. So that was some thoughts. I don't want to ramble on here this morning, <clears throat> but I'm glad that we can be here. And so the message that I feel the Lord has led here this morning, I want to share. But first, I want to ask a question. This is not necessarily the message, but I think it can go along. Does anyone know what today is? Okay, you gave me the answer. Today is Super Bowl Sunday. And so in society, that is an important day. That's a lot of an importance. And as we were coming across the mountain, I don't know why that was entering my mind a little bit, but I, I told my wife, I said, you know, I said, maybe I ought to change the sermon this morning. I said, maybe I ought to preach on idolatry this morning. Because I thought of Super Bowl Sunday. And what are, what are people doing today but gathering together to watch 
fellas run down a little ball that they're kicking across the field. What's that? Well, they throw it too, so they're chasing it down. But then there are those that are spending thousands for a front row seat. And I see the young people sitting here. They got the front rows. Ministry, other people, why didn't you get the front rows here? They got the choice seats. But today, people are looking at the front rows at the Super Bowl and they're willing to spend thousands just to be there. And there'll be thousands made. And so I think of that and I think that that is idol worship. That is idolatry. That is something that becomes between God and man. It means it is something greater, far greater than what God is. So I want to participate in that. And so when we think of the world and what they're looking at at that and how important that is and how much worth that is, as I thought of that, I, think, I thought, you know, that might tie the message together here a little bit. And that is the message that I felt led to bring here this morning. The title is Faith of Our Fathers. Faith of Our Fathers. And as I think of that, the, the song that we sing occasionally, Faith of Our Fathers, I am always blessed when I, we, we sing that song because it makes me think of what those that have gone on before us, what they were willing to do and what they were willing to give their lives for for us today. And so we think of that faith. What is, what is that faith worth? This morning, I don't know how many is gathered here this morning, but I think you think that faith is worth something. You were here this morning. You wanted to come and hear God's word. You wanted to fellowship together. And our faith does that because where is our faith? It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our faith is in the Lord Jesus. Does it mean anything to us? You know, those people today that's gathering out wherever this ball game's played, they're willing to be out there. They're willing to go through whatever it might be inclement weather of any kind or whatever, they're going to be there. But when we think of our faith, what is our faith worth to us? Does it have value? Or is it something that we feel like, well, we can take it or we can leave it? I can live with it or I can live without it. Do we look at faith that way? And yet... When we think of faith of our fathers, and we think of the song that, that I want to reference here. So I want to read that to give us a little... No, actually, I want to start reading from the Scripture first, from 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3. If you want to turn there. 2 Timothy 3, verses 10 through 11. But thou hast fully known my doctrine... Manner of life, purpose, faith, long suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, 
afflictions which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. The verse that I want us to pull out here to keep in mind as we look at this message this morning, and that is, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Now, we might shy away from that. We might cringe at that because none of us likes pain. None of us likes to be uncomfortable. None of us likes to just fill in the blank there, whatever it might be. You know, we mentioned about, we studied about Job this morning. You know, God allowed things to happen in Job's life. And as was mentioned, as was mentioned in our class, that, you know, Satan is busy. Satan is out to destroy each one of us here this morning that call upon the name of the Lord, that has the Lord Jesus in our hearts. Satan is busy. And yet when we think of persecution, you know, we, we, we hear about it in, in foreign lands. We hear it about it over in some other country. And we're praying for those that are persecuted that they may be able to endure. And yet, what would it be if we were to face persecution today? We live in a country that has given us, at this point, freedom. That this morning, we each had the choice to come here this morning. Nothing stopped us. We wanted to be here. At least I hope we did. We wanted to be here. Church means something to us. God means something to us. My brothers and sisters mean something to us. We want that fellowship. We want to be here. But it says, but those that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And so when I think of faith of our fathers, those that have went on before us, that have challenged us, that have left a, a path that we say we want to follow, what is our faith worth? If we had persecution come in, what would our faith be worth? Would we be willing to face what some of them faced? Or would we look at it and say, really, I think I can worship God. I can still be a Christian, and I can worship God, but, you know, I really don't have to you know, be out front there and people know it. No. If the world's going to know that we're a Christian, we're going to have to show it out. They will see it. So I want to read this. Faith of our fathers living still in spite of dungeon, fire, and sword. Oh, how our hearts beat high with joy whene'er we hear that glorious word. Our fathers chained in prisons dark were still in heart and conscience free. How sweet would be their children's fate if they, like them, could die for thee. Faith of our fathers we will love, both friend and foe in all our strife. 
and preach thee, and preach thee too, as love knows how, by kindly words and virtuous life. Faith of our fathers, holy faith, we will be true to thee till death. Is that the way we look at our faith here this morning? Do we believe that we have a faith that is worth dying for? Do we know that if we would face persecution, that if that would come in our days, that we know that we would die for our faith, we would die for the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would die for him because of what he has done for us, and that we would not turn back and say, it's not worth it. So I want to look at some other scriptures because there are scriptures that, that points to it that we as Christians will face persecution. And maybe here in America, as long as America stands, maybe the Christian won't face quite that persecution. And yet we do face things. We face it with those around us at times that will challenge what we have to share, that will scoff at what we have to share. And yes, there's been those in times past that have faced imprisonment because of what they believed. And there have been those that have suffered death because of what they believed and stood for. In Matthew 5.10, these verses, if you want to follow along, fine. I'll kind of move through them quickly. Matthew 5.10, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is Jesus speaking. He said, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Those that are living for him, those that are living to bring him honor and glory, he said, Blessed are you when you're persecuted. And you know, we can think of persecution, but that is an awful thing. That is horrible. And yet Jesus says, blessed are they that are persecuted for righteousness' sake. So there's a blessing there. And we might say, well, we can't really see how that is. And yet I think in the times of persecution and the trials of that nature, I believe God's presence is there, the Holy Spirit's presence is there to help the Christian through. And so there's a, there's a blessing. We have to believe that because Jesus himself said, blessed are they. John 15, 20. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my sayings, they will keep yours also. He said, if they have persecuted me, and we know that Jesus was persecuted, as was mentioned this morning in our class, who suffered the most? Jesus. Jesus suffered things that we can only imagine. And yet he was ready and willing to lay down his life for each one of us here this morning. Because he said, I come to do your will, O Father. And so whatever he went through, he was willing to go through. And can we be like-minded that if we would be facing these things, if our, if our faith was being challenged, if we was going to be persecuted for our faith, would we be looking at it and saying, but it's worth it? 
look what Christ did for me. I'm willing to lay my life down. And we'll, we'll, we'll get into a little more of that in here after a while. In Romans 8, 33. Romans 8, 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall separate, be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we think of persecution. And he mentions that. Shall these things separate us from the love of God? And the answer is no. None of these things shall be able to separate us from the love of God if we have that connection with him. And if we know that we're not going to let these things separate us from God. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 and 9. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Persecuted. Persecuted, but not forsaken. You know, as I, if I, as I studied this and read, some of the, and read these verses, it just, it just does something to you. It does something to you. To know that even going through these things, there's nothing that can separate you from God's love other than yourself. You can let it separate you. But if you are determined, but if you have that hold on faith that says, whatever God is going to take me through, I'm going to be faithful to the end. There's nothing can separate us from his love. So it's a challenge. It's a challenge to me to be that faithful and to hold on and knowing that there is nothing can separate me, separate me from the love of God. Now in Hebrews 11. Verses 36 through 38. And this goes over the Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter and it comes down to the end there. It says, others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonments. They were, they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. You know, we read those things and, and we could say, is it, is it worth it? Is it worth it? I mean, look, what do they say about them? 
You know, they had trials of cruel mockings. They were scourged. They, they were put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder and tempted, slain with the sword and wandered about, destitute. And you know, there probably are people that are looking at the Christian and, 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 and they look at him and saying, what kind of a fanatic are you? What's wrong with you? You mean you would go through that? And yet, what is our faith worth to us? Do we feel that we have a faith worth dying for? And yes, we do. And so the question's been asked. It says, if you were on trial for your faith, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Each one of us here this morning knows the answer to that. We know where we stand with our faith before the Lord. <clears throat> but I just think, though, the faith of our fathers, those that went before us, and some of us, we could look at, our fam look at families, and we could want to hold to what we have been taught from years past and years past and, and years past. There are those that can follow their Christian heritage back a number of generations and they're still holding true because what the fathers had, they passed to the next generation and they kept passing it down. Because there's a faith that we have that we want to pass to the next generation. There's a faith that we have that we want to pass to others, that they can have that faith. So I want us to look a little more at... Uh, those that faced persecutions, those that went through trials. <clears throat> so I got some of my thoughts from uh, The Martyr's Mirror. And I think most of us are familiar with that book. It's only about this thick, with about a thousand pages in it. How many's read that book? I know some says we read some. But has anyone read the whole book? Well, I, I preached this message in my home congregation. One person said he read the whole book. All of us probably at times have read portions of it or heard stories of it. But as I studied for this message and as I was going through the martyr's mirror or something, I did not read the martyr's mirror to get any of this message. I picked out some stories because I'd still be reading. <clears throat> but I was touched as I read stories after story of those that was willing to die for what they believed. That they were willing to give their lives because they knew that faith in Jesus Christ would see them through to heaven. They knew that something better waited, was waiting. Yes, there was probably those that, that said it's, it's too much and gave up. 
But those that were faithful faced some horrible persecutions. And yet they were faithful. First, I want to look at a few of the apostles. You know, the apostles were were men that followed Jesus. They were taught by Jesus for about three years. And you know, if they would have known what was ahead for them, if they would have known how maybe their lives was going to end, would they have just given up? Would they have given up? The Apostle Peter. You know, Peter was a character. Peter was one that, if there was anybody going to say anything from the start, he was the first one to open his mouth. And yet when it came down to it and Jesus was going off the scene, Peter said, you know, he said, I'm going fishing. But Jesus at one point told Peter, he said, when you're converted, he said, you strengthen the brethren. And we know that Peter became a strong pillar in the start of this church in Acts. But Peter faced an unusual death. Peter faced a horrible death. Peter was to be crucified, just like Jesus was. But Peter says, I'm not worthy to be crucified like Christ. They crucified him upside down. That was a horrible death. James, which I believe would have been a brother to Jesus, was beheaded. The Apostle John, the beloved, he was dipped in boiling oil to try to kill him. Had no effects on him. He was banished to the Isle of Patmos, a deserted island, but yet he had such a wonderful experience on the Isle of Patmos. We can read about it in Revelation. The Apostle Paul, one that persecuted the church. And yet when he come to know the Lord, he was so on fire for the Lord. We can read about it through Acts. He was so on fire for the Lord that when he was told, that when you go up to Jerusalem, Paul, you're going to face your death. And Paul says it doesn't matter. He said he set his face to Jerusalem. He was going But he knew he was going to face death. He probably didn't know how, but he knew his time was coming. The Apostle Paul was beheaded for his belief in Jesus Christ. A faith worth dying for. Then as we look in the martyr's mirror, I just jotted down a few names that would sound familiar. Some of them might not be quite where we would think they should have been. Menna Simons is one. You know, he was a priest. But he came to the place where he realized that the Catholic Church was teaching wrong. He pulled out of that. Of course, that's where we know the start where Mennonites get their name. But he was one that led out 
I didn't look to see how he met his death. But then there was George Blarock and Conrad Grebel and Felix Mons. Now, some of these, there might have been some radicalism about them. But they were ones that had a vision because of false teachings, and they, 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 they believed what Scripture was teaching. They knew that infant baptism was wrong. They knew that it needed to be an adult. It needed to be a believer's baptism and, and other things that they stepped away from. And then when we look at more of the stories in the martyr's mirror of those that died in prison, they were, there were those that burnt, was burnt at the stake. There was those that was drowned. There were those that was beheaded. And why? Because of their faith. They would be brought before tri in, in trial. And they would, be, they, they, would be, they would be told to recant. To give up that foolishness. To give up what they believed. To give up their faith as they were experiencing and believing. Because as you read those stories and what they were coming out of, they were basing their belief on the word of God because they studied and they got to realizing that there was a lot of false teaching. There was things they needed to separate from. And through that, they were hunted down. They were called heretics. <clears throat> and yet many of them, as they stood at death's door, would not give in. One man, as he was being taken to meet his death by burning at the stake, as he was riding along, he was reaching down pulling up flowers. They told him to recant. But he would not. And he said, this one thing I leave with you. He said, let these flowers be a testimony and let my body be a testimony. He said, if these flowers will not die. And he said, if my body cannot be burnt, he said, the word of God is true, and what you're doing is wrong. And as he was tied to the stake and the fire burnt, his body would not burn. The flowers he was holding did not burn. They throwed him in the fire. He rolled out. They throwed him back in. He would roll out. But his body was not burnt. They finally cut him into pieces, threw it into the fire. His body did not burn. We can say, yes, these things are awful. These things we don't want to have to face, but we may face. But through this, even through the martyr's mirrors, I read some of those stories of how God even performed miracles just like that to prove that he is the true God, the living God. And we can say, yes, but he could have spared that man. But how many people maybe turned to the Lord because of the testimony that was given? 
and the testimonies of others, and there are those that even the executioners turn to believing in Christ because of what they seem through the faith of those that did not give up. Is our faith worth dying for? Do we have a faith that way this morning, brothers and sisters? And so the question I have here this morning then, are we passing on that faith? Are we passing on that faith to the next generation? You know, we as parents, we have a, a great responsibility to pass on that faith to the next generation. Yes, each one has a choice to make. But they need to hear what Scripture is teaching and what is the truth of the Scripture. And you know, today we hear people saying, yes, but you know, that's the way you interpret it. Uh, that might be the way you believe it. And, and you know, you can... You, you, you believe it and practice the way you want to, and then I'll do it my way, and, and that's okay. But the faith that we're going to pass on is the truth of God's Word. It can't be nothing less than that. Minister, brothers, we have a responsibility passing that faith on. We have the responsibility to preach the truth of God's word. We have the responsibility to preach that faith. And we have to live that faith. We have to exemplify that faith. We're being watched. Minister, brother, you know what I mean. We're being watched. We live in glass houses. Everybody else is a solid. Ours is glass. We're being watched. But if people observe that and see that and see that example, that encourages them. And as we pass that, parents, as you pass that on to your children, and Lord willing, if the, if the Lord tarries and, the, and more generations come on, that there will be a day that the next generations maybe can look back and say, faith of our fathers. That that has been passed on to the next generation and to the next. And we have that responsibility. So in 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5 here. Not sure I got the right verse. First Timothy one five. I'll read it, but I don't think it's what I'm wanting. Now the end of the commandment is charity, out of a pure heart and a good conscience of faith unfeigned. All right, we're speaking of faith. Of faith unfeigned. But I wanted the verse where Paul was speaking to uh, Timothy of where, the, where he had passed on and learned, I am sorry, that is 2 Timothy 1.5. 
When I call to remember the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am also persuaded that in thee also. That is a teaching and that is a passing on of that unfeigned faith. And so it takes effort on our part to be teaching that and to pass that on. And then also in verse 13, it says, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of, heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Hold fast that faith. Yes, we have a faith worth dying for. And so are we willing to keep the faith, even in the time when it seems that it seems the church is maybe losing ground? Are we going to be faithful? Are we going to be faithful if the time would come that we would face persecution? That we might be on trial for our faith? Would we say yes? Our faith is worth dying for. I am going to hold on. Because as Paul said, he says, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. But he says, but not to me only, but also to those which are looking forward to the Lord's return. So Paul knew his time was at end. He knew he was meeting his death. But he says, Hold that faith. And so I want to challenge each or one of us here this morning. Hold to that faith. It's a faith worth dying for. It's a faith that will get us to glory. And so we have to make that choice. And yes, we have to look at our own lives. Are we living that faith? Are we looking at ourselves and examining ourselves. You know, I hope there's no one sitting here this morning that would be saying, you know, when I look at it, I'm, I'm not sure I would want to do it. And yet, brothers and sisters, when Stephen, he died for his faith. He was preaching the Lord Jesus. And he was willing to die for his faith. And when they were stoning him. You know Stephen was there. And he says he was looking up to heaven. And this is something that just made his persecutors even the angrier. As I read this. But it is such a blessing that Stephen is there and he is looking up. And they are throwing these stones. And Stephen says. He said I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. I can see Stephen with a smile on his face. And he is saying, it's worth it. He said, I see Jesus. And they're, they're just angry because they don't want to hear this. But you know, the day may come when those around us don't want to hear that truth. And we may face some of the same things. Is it worth it? Will it be worth it? Brothers and sisters, it will be worth it all. That when we, like Stephen, can say, I see Jesus. At the right hand of the Father, he's standing. It'll be worth it. Let's bow our heads. 
Heavenly Father, we just come to you here this morning. Fathers, we've been challenged from your word. And the seriousness of it, Lord, in our faith in you. Father, I just pray that this word has went out, that it has been spoken in truth and truth of your word. And, Father, that it speaks to each of us here this morning. Father, we don't know what we may face in the days ahead, in the years ahead. But we know as we look around us in society and the world around us, we know that things are becoming shaky. We know that the end times are drawing near. And we know that things will only get worse. We know that the Christian will be persecuted for their faith in you. And Father, I pray for each one of us here this morning that we will stand true and faithful to you. That we will say, yes, we do have a faith worth dying for. That it is a faith in our Lord Jesus Christ that was willing to give himself for each one of us. That we can have our sins cleansed. That we can live holy lives that are pleasing to you. And that one day, Father, that we can be gathered with you and, and hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. And Father, I pray that for each one here this morning. And if there is any here this morning, Father, that has any doubts and any questions in their lives, that, Father, they can find that peace and rest, knowing that, yes, it will be worth it all. And may each one's faith just be more increased and drawn to you. May you bless this congregation as they serve you here, as they work in the communities where they're at, that, Father, that there can be many more brought to you before the end. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we have a song? Amen.